Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> Welcome to Locked On Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by NBA Top Shot. NBA Top Shot is the future of being an NBA fan. Own officially licensed rare NFTs of the greatest moments from NBA history. Sign up today at LockedOn.NBATopShot.com. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. And you can check us out on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. You can follow me on Twitter at Walker Mail. Still know Doug he's out doing some other things for the higher ups because he's a big boy within this network and so we've gone to some great guests to help us out today's no different welcome Keith Smith to the Lockdown Hornets podcast you've seen Keith Smith's work all over the place he's as informed as anybody out there follow him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA it's such a pleasure man always great talking to you how are you I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Keith. And, and so I wanted to bring you on to kind of get your take on some of the other NBA teams and maybe how they match up. Interesting standing placement right now for the Hornets, especially where they've kind of come from in this roller coaster year. And so if we do this check right now, you look at the Hornets after having lost to the Denver Nuggets the second night of a back to back trying to pull up the standings. Now they're the ninth seed after that loss and the Brooklyn Nets. They did pass them in the eighth seed, but but Hornets have that tiebreaker against them after beating the Nets with Kyrie Irving making his home debut. An excellent win. I think it's probably the best win for the Hornets this season. Just overall, when you look at the possibility of the Hornets actually sneaking into that eight seed, how much of a possibility do you think it is? Or do you think they're kind of cemented in that 9-10 matchup between them and the Hawks who currently reside in the 10th? I, I think they have a great great chance of getting up to the eight spot. I, I don't think there's much of a chance of getting up to seven. Right. That just seems like maybe a bridge too far uh, to, to get there. It just starts to become a math problem this late in the year with games left and who the other teams are playing in that. But to get up to, to eight, that, that's big because that gives you that two shots at it, right? You, you, you have the first shot in the seven, eight game. If that fails, you're going to host then the, uh, the, nine, the winner of the nine, 10 game. And that gives you that second chance to get there. If you lose that first one. And, and I think that they've got that chance. I Brooklyn, they, they lost to the Hornets. They struggled with the Pistons pretty, pretty mightily really had a hard time. Now Detroit's kind of been a pain in the butt for for right. a lot of teams so they, they've been there but I, I think the Hornets have a shot I think the Hawks still probably have a little bit of a shot too I think it's just going to depend on you know how do you shoot and how do you play down the stretch here and having that tiebreaker that's absolutely huge well and the Hornets have really turned it around here recently if you look at the last 10 games they're 10 and 3 they had the five game win streak their only lot the, the bad one was to the New York Knicks at home they allowed 40 points in the first quarter but bad effort execution that's one that we really piled on them but this loss against Denver, you know, second night of a back-to-back against Nikola Jokic, who I think is the favorite to win the MVP now after, you know, this past month. He's just been incredible, averaging 30 on 60% shooting. It's like, okay, I can understand that loss. I'm not going to pile yeah. on you too much. I don't think that changes the way the Hornets have been playing lately. Um, how do you think they they match up against an Atlanta Hawks potential scenario? Um, and maybe even if they sneak into that eight seed, how do they match up against the Cleveland Cavaliers team? Yeah, so if we start with the Hawks, I think that one 
it, it sounds like really reductive. I think it just comes down to who shoots better mm-hmm. in that game. Neither team plays great defense, but both teams can get up and down the floor. Both teams can score points. And it's probably going to come down to, is it Trey Young and crew or is it the Hornets? I, I, I maybe trust the Hornets a little bit more, especially if like John Collins isn't going to go and it doesn't look like we're going to see him again, because that is so much pressure on Trey young where the Hornets, I think you can get some, a uh, little bit more balanced effort. Let's see if Gordon Hayward can get back or not. Um, that would be obviously pretty big for them uh, to have him. But but I do think that that's where I would lean with that is because I think that gives them that opportunity to really kind of, you know, I put it, just go out there and outscore the Hawks. Now, if you're talking about the Cavs, that becomes a different problem because you get to solve the Cavs size and you get to solve their defense. They play pretty good defense. But again, if the Hornets can push the pace, get it a little bit more up and down, get Cleveland to play their game, they're probably better off. If you're going to try to go in there and kind of slug it out with the Cavs or the Raptors, if they drop back into that spot, either one of those teams, I I don't, that's not the kind of game I think Charlotte Uh, can win. Yeah. I mean, the Raptors, you know, with them being in that six seed right now after the Cavs have fallen, um, yeah, I mean, I think the Raptors would be you know, the team that you would least like to play. And we're kind of speaking under the caveat that Brooklyn, you just don't want any part of them because of Kyrie and Kevin, <laughs> yeah, right? Sure. Like, I, I just can't imagine that would be a better matchup for anybody. They're no. going to be scary <laughs> to their first round matchup in the actual playoffs, assuming that they get in somehow, some way. Um, and if you look also just what do you think about the the year that James Borrego has had with the Charlotte Hornets team and, you know, just what he's been able to organize. It's been a roller coaster year. They were awesome at the beginning. They hit that lull for about a month and a half, two months. And now here they are playing some pretty good basketball again. You know, just overall your expectations, how they've been met with this squad, as well as just kind of the job their head coach has done. He's done a good job through some adversity. Now, all every team this year has had something, right? Whether it's been COVID or injuries, and they've been kind of hit by both, of course, like a lot of teams have. But I think not having Gordon Hayward, who's such a key player for them, he's been kind of in and out for a while now, more out than in uh, recently. But that changes things because I don't think there was ever a whole lot of desire to play Miles Bridges this much at the three. I think that was more of a yeah, we'll go to it, and we know we can. But I think the idea was really, hey, we we want to run a little bit smaller and run with these guys and that that we have. So I think what's what's he's done a nice job of is changing maybe their style a little bit, uh, playing a little bit bigger. And I think think that's been good. And then I think their their acquisitions um, at the trade deadline, getting Montrezl Harrell has been been very big. And I like the development he's done this year. I think it's kind of really come to a forefront. But the development he's done with the young players and the, the years he's been there. So Bridges, P.J. Washington, but also Martin, McDaniels. I think that's been big as well. And I think that's something that goes a little bit overlooked. But those guys are very key parts of the rotation, Martin and McDaniels. And if you're not watching the Hornets on any kind of regular basis, you may not know that. Yeah, and especially with Gordon Hayward, he's kind of a tricky fit as far as how you project the Charlotte Hornets future, and I want to get to that in just the next segment, but we'll just stick here real quickly with Gordon because there's a lot of fans that are angry with Gordon, right? They don't want him on the team because he's been injured for so long, and it's not like you couldn't see this coming. He did have some injury problems with the Boston Celtics, had that five-minute in injury that was gruesome we can all remember, and so it was always going to be a risky signing given you're giving him over 300, or excuse me, 
$30 million <laughs> uh, uh, annually to Gordon. Um, and that was always going to be risky. Like, what kind of value does he have on the trade market, if that's something they would look to do? And how much do you think the Charlotte Hornets should be kind of looking to trade Gordon based off their cap situation? They're going to need to pl- uh, pay Miles. PJ is kind of an interesting contract situation as well. Uh, what, what do you think they do with Gordon? And what is his value on the trade market? Yeah, I think that is a very difficult question for them to to answer because what they're going to have to do is figure out, all right, how do we want to balance this roster going forward? Because they're leaning towards they're going to turn top heavy here in, in another year or yeah. so because Miles Bridges is going to get paid paid big. And then that becomes you know a bigger question to answer you know, all the way through because I don't look at it as Gordon Hayward as being a necessarily a bad contract it's probably starting to lean that way just with the amount of time he misses but i do think where it becomes a challenge for the hornets is that is 30 million you can't spend anywhere else on the roster whether that would be straight cap space or not but it just makes everything harder and what you're going to be facing in the coming years is if you want to keep guys through there you obviously resign terry rogier but if you want to keep bridges you want to keep washington uh you want to keep Lamelo ball down the line and you build this roster out having hayward that probably means you're going to be looking right around being a tax team. And that's a question. And that that's yeah. <laughs> where it's, it's not about that front line. It becomes about the depth. Can you build enough depth to get through? And if Gordon Hayward's going to be a big money player in a big uh, role player on your team, have a big part of your rotation, you have to have depth. Cause at this point you have to price in, he's going to probably miss somewhere between 20 and 30 games. Uh, this season. Abs- absolutely. And like, this is a team that's not going to have much cap space at all. Once no. you give miles bridges that contract. And as you mentioned, you do have some key guys you need to pay, like Jalen McDaniels. How much do you value him in trying to lock him in? Same thing with a Cody Martin. You let one Martin out. Now, are you going to try to keep the other Cody Martin here? And and you're right. Like this Gordon Hayward contract, it eats up a lot of money. We're going to have to see what Mitch Kupchak has up his sleeve to try to fill out this roster, presumably building around a LaMelo ball. And Miles Bridges also presumably being a key word there, considering how much he might get offered somewhere else. Hornets can control it with restricted free agency. Um, but man, that, that price could go way up on this payroll all right we're gonna keep Mm -hmm. keith smith around here on the lockdown hornets podcast for just a little longer one more segment but i do want to talk about prize picks all right nba fans are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the nba you need to try the award-winning app prize picks it's a daily fantasy app made easy i love this i know you will too it's easy to use you pick two to five players and over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers entries can be made in six 60 seconds or less. It's that easy and it's safe. It offers fast withdrawals. You can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. It's awesome stuff. So for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. You just get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans. So sign up today and use code NBA, $50 for free if a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point. Keith Smith going to be talking about the future rankings. The Hornets come in at 23rd via the latest ESPN rankings. Is that right? And how contingent is it on LaMelo Ball? We'll be talking about that next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Is Locked on Hornets. 
My uh, my fourth cousin twice removed is Gary Busey, who is considered one of the greatest American actors of all time. So Are I'm we totally, doing this? I've, I've got one to contribute. I, I don't know. I, was, I was completely a lot. But. Hot man. I fell for it. I really thought. <laughs> He's just such a random name to bring up. <laughs> I thought Gary Busey was going to be it. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Keith, do you have any random celebrities that you're related to out there in the world? Or is that just a me and Doug thing that I, I thought Doug was related to Gary Busey, but apparently not. You don't have anybody out there that uh, that's a celebrity you're related to? No, not that I know of. I mean, I'm sure at some point we, we used to tell people that we uh, descended from John Smith. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't go further thing, back than that. Does yeah, it? it's, <laughs> but it's definitely not true because it wasn't our family last name was not that when they came to this country. It was a that was assigned to uh, to, to them when, when they got here. They couldn't pronounce it uh, when uh, generations uh, much before me got to Ellis Island. They couldn't pronounce it. They then they uh-huh. said your last name is now smith and then that's that's where where we went from there but no not that i know of all right well i'm glad that one we learned the family history of the keith smith name (laughs) and i hope nobody that actually you told that to is watching because i i like to believe there are people in the universe that think you hail from john smith and i feel like that's about as far back as it goes keith smith joining us here on the lockdown hornets podcast follow his work on twitter he's putting out a bunch of stuff contributes to spot rack contributes to the celtics blog plenty of other things at keith smith nba is where you can find the stuff as you see here if you're watching YouTube on the screen. I want to get to this future ranking stuff, Keith, because I, I think the Charlotte Hornets are, you know, they're pretty fascinating compared to all the other NBA teams, right? Here they are in the play-in tournament. LaMelo Ball was an all-star in just his second season, one of literally the youngest players to ever make the all-star game. Miles Bridges is going to be battling for most improved player of the year. We just talked about how much money he's going to get paid in restricted free agency. It's going to go way up considering the type of kind of breakout year that he's had in 2021-2022. Kevin Pelton uh, put up the write-up for this particular rating, and he said the Hornets are at at 22. I should say I said 23. Um, It's actually at 22. And, you know, they talk about, uh, you know, coincidentally or ironically, the fact that Miles Bridges is having a breakout year for the Hornets kind of works against them with the future rankings because it's going to eat up more of the cap. But a lot of this is kind of contingent on LaMelo and how much improved he continues, how much his ascent is going to affect the Hornets. Is that how you kind of see it as well? Like just trying to put their ranking, the Miles contract is huge and LaMelo's improvement is going to be big on where we put them. Yeah, I, I think they might have been a little lower on them than mm-hmm. than I am. Uh, the player ranking, I want to say, it was like twentieth uh, of the 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 teams, and I think that's probably a little bit too low. Um, I like some of their players more, but but you know, Kevin Pelton knows the cap as well as anybody else does, right. and and it's it's definitely true that they're they're going to be running up against it, and that's where. This is why you want to try to get these guys locked into extensions when you can. And Miles Bridges and crew said, nah, we don't think 16, 17 million is going to get it done. Let's let's we'll we'll push it into the into the offseason. And there were some, I think, that said, well, there's not going to be anybody sitting there to give you uh, that big offer anyway. But that's not really how it works. Right. Signing trades are back in in vogue now in the league and those kind of things. So he's going to get his uh, well north of 20 million dollar uh, average annual value extension coming up here uh this summer so that does kind of get to a point where 
now, at least for the next few years, because that's the thing that I think has been missed. I've seen some people say, hey, we have this guy who's 22. You know, why are we so far You're right. down in this? It's only for the next three seasons. It's, it's not, you know, for the next decade. Um, but for the next few years, yeah, the, the Hornets are running into being kind of once you resign Bridges, it, as much as you're ever locked into a roster, you're you're going to be locked into a roster. That doesn't mean there can't be trades and those kind of things, but you're going to have a lot of guys under contract for at least the next few years that you need to continue that trajectory upward. You need to continue to get better, and then we'll see where that goes. So that's the you know, Lamelo Ball, Bridges, uh, Washington for the get better. You need Rozier to maintain, yeah. and then you need Gordon Hayward to stay healthier than he has uh, in recent seasons, and then then you're probably okay. But, yeah, it's it's – probably a touch lower than i'd be but i don't know that i'd be a, you know i'm not offended by the ranking or anything like that yeah it's, i i'm kind of the same way like you see some of the teams ahead of them uh, the new york knicks are ahead of them i would have had them above the knicks at this point yeah. even just considering like some future assets that they have as far as first round picks goes um it, it looks like the hornets are going to keep their first round pick that they traded it was protected in order to get kai jones but it does seem mm -hmm. like the hornets are going to be able to keep that the spurs are ahead of them and there's a lot of nice young talent there you have DeJounte Murray feels like the Hornets as you mentioned though you kind of are going to get top heavy and then you're how much you're going to be able to keep that depth especially if Gordon Hayward's out and he's missed a lot of time that's why I think it's fair for fans to be questioning that contract and how it might help them in the future let's talk about most improved player of the year award uh, this year uh, Keith you know Miles it seemed the overwhelming favorite from the get-go he hadn't been able to shoot the three ball nearly as well at the beginning of the season. I think that's going to hurt him mightily so, but he has picked it up the last 10. I believe he's over 40% from three, and he was a monster against the Denver Nuggets getting to the basket, really gave them a chance to win that game. What do you make of Miles and where he ranks among some of the other favorites in the MIP uh, award this year? Yeah, I think this award tends to we it's starting to get tied into team success maybe mm -hmm. even a little bit more than i'm comfortable with because i tend to think this is an award for a guy who i'm not trying to be funny but who is most improved player it shouldn't necessarily matter what the team's success is you know if the player has improved his game his numbers his efficiency and all those things and i don't i don't have a problem with with that now you, you, you get it, right? You kind of look at it and you say, all right, well, I kind of get why John Morant's probably going to get some consideration. I get why, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, people are even throw guys like Robert Williams out there and those kind of things because those teams are very good. But I think if you, you – to really, really drill it down. Yeah, Miles Bridges deserves huge consideration because it's been a major step forward for him. It's not like the Hornets are bad. They, they have a winning record. They're probably going to finish with a winning record or, you know, no worse than 500. So, so I th think this is not just a guy throwing up a ton of stats that are on a terrible team because we've seen guys do that and then we see them get to a better spot and it doesn't look as good. So I have no real issue with, with him winning. I, I hope he gets you know plenty of consideration because i think too sometimes we we want to rush to crown a guy most improved because then it's like and then we could talk about you know remember when he was most improved before he was the mvp and those kind of things those awards are going to come for a guy like john moran i'm okay with you know let's get miles bridges one 
Well, and, and to your point, I remember everybody, even NBA players like Luka Doncic, they were caping for Devontae Graham to win that mm -hmm. award when he had that, I don't know about breakout season, but he was certainly very good the year that everybody wanted to give it to him. And yep. Hornets weren't good enough um, in, in everybody else's mind. And so he actually finished surprisingly low. And, and you mentioned how the Hornets are a bad team. You know, it's crazy, Keith. Like, I, I think what we do is you compare them to other teams in the NBA. And there's no problem with that. But if you compare their record to other records in the past, like this is a team that's above 500 now, and, and then they're like fighting for an eight spot, probably going to be in that nine seed. And in years past, they're just outright in the playoffs without a play in mm -hmm. tournament. The East is crazy good this year, especially the Cavs should be better, but they're snake bitten right now. Jared Allen getting hurt. Even Evan Mobley wasn't safe. That's really unfortunate. And they were still battling back. Ricky Rubio was awesome for them. Like Chicago's falling back after seeing time in the one spot. Is this the best you've seen the East? And if if it is the best that you've seen the East, I mean, how long has it been since they've even you know touched this type of realm at the top? Oh, uh, years. I mean, I mean, it's been years. They, yeah. they we, I, without really diving too deep into it, it's got to be almost back to Michael Jordan. Uh, right. being in the conference because if you think about it there were times when it was the eastern conference was just playing out to be the sacrificial lamb to the lakers and spurs and whoever and then then they got you know really good teams the celtics were good for a couple years but the conference wasn't good the, the heat were good but the conference necessarily wasn't all that good there's always been two or three teams but this year i mean the east is yeah you're you're looking at you know, seven, eight really good teams uh, in the Eastern Conference this year. And then you've got the Hornets and the Hawks on the outside that are, they're, they're by no means bad teams either. So, yeah, I, I think what's happened is we've seen a migration of talent to some extent from, from West mm -hmm. to East. Uh, that has helped. We've seen these teams get better about how they build their rosters, how they draft, how they develop, how they sign players, how they manage the cap. And that has helped the, the East teams too, because for so long you had these East teams that were just kind of stuck in the cycle of, you know, we're, we're not drafting well, but we're not so terrible that we're getting the first, second, <laughs> third picks. So you're just kind of stuck in the middle. And it was like, all right, those teams aren't getting good enough to jump up uh, levels and the other teams aren't, bad enough and you just were kind of rinse repeat year after year and, and we're finally there where the east is now this year it is funny somebody pointed out you know the west is going to win more games head to head against the east again but the east is just it's just deeper and really good teams this season and that that that's big because that helps balance the league out quite a bit yeah absolutely i mean we've been waiting for some for some help from the east for quite a while at, at this point point. And, and last question before we get you out of here I, I know you cover the boston celtics as well um what a turnaround they've had i know they lost this most recent game but uh i know that the boston celtics also were like they were playing as as well as anybody in the nba you know what do you think their chances are like should they be viewed with a healthy unit even with robert williams like maybe not coming back till the second round as just as much as a contender or you know are you kind of maybe you have to back off of that with this latest injury yeah with getting that news that robert williams may be back in as soon as four weeks that mm -hmm. that's huge because it's that says end of first round maybe beginning of the second round if it's four weeks even if it's a little longer maybe sometime in the second round and and if the celtics are the team that that we think they've become over the last uh several months here it's really been three months of really good basketball then we have to believe that they can get through a first round series without robert williams um it's it really i i have yeah, been doing this a long time i was a fan a lot longer 
been than that. I can't remember any team undergoing this kind of in-season turnaround. Unreal. There, yeah, there have been teams that flip switches, right? We think of the Shaq, Kobe Lakers. But that was always like, yeah, they you know stumbled their way to 46, 47, 48 wins. Then they flipped the switch and were dominant in the playoffs. This team was under 500 <laughs> at uh, going into a New Year's Eve game with the Phoenix Suns. They won that game. That's what that was. Al Horford has called it out as that was the turning point game. That's when it's like, all right, we beat the best team in the league. We can do this. We can be a really good team. And since then, it's what's remarkable is it's not just winning games. They're demolishing teams. It's you know, These games are over by midway through the second quarter. It's hey, If you look at the Minnesota game on Sunday, I want to say it was something like 38-30 at the end of the first quarter or something like that. And then the Celtics are like, yeah, that's cute, and then proceeded to basically <laughs> shut down everything Minnesota wanted to do. And that's what's made them special. It's the defense. Uh, they can switch everything one through five. That doesn't change with Robert Williams out. They'll, they'll tweak their scheme a little bit, but they'll switch they'll hold hold their own weakest defender in the group is Peyton Pritchard and he's not a bad defender uh, mm-hmm. he's just an undersized one so they'll they'll just keep doing what they do and they it, it's really been you know incredible to the point where yeah they might make it out of the east they, they, the east more than ever because of how good and deep the conference is matchups and health is going to determine everything yeah absolutely it really was a crazy turnaround and we got the brunt of that as well seeing Jason Tatum go off for 44 points down here recently and that was right after Kyrie went for 50 since then the Hornets have turned it around though so maybe that's what they needed they needed a couple of stars to go off on them (laughs) and the Hornets were able to get it together that's Keith Smith follow him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA he also contributes to a lot of different things spot rack the Celtics blog follow him also on the front office show putting that out there you can follow that on twitter at front office show to see when those uh shows are going to be released keith always a pleasure man thank you so much for talking some hornets with me today i appreciate it thank you for having me absolutely keith smith once again on the lockdown hornets podcast knows as much as anybody so really appreciate his time with us here on the lockdown podcast network let's talk about nba top shot nba top shot is the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. Connect with a passionate community of NBA fans across the globe and build your collection with your favorite moments from NBA history. NBA Top Shot is the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. It's part trading cards, part stock market, and part fantasy sports with a built-in loyalty program. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards and made it easier to buy, sell, and trade by removing the hassle of card grading, shoe boxes, and binders. Their 24-7 peer-to-peer marketplace lets you scroll through all of your favorite players and teams. Once you find the moment you've been looking for, you can buy it in just a couple of clicks. Now I hear all the time, why would I buy something that I could watch on YouTube for free? And I tell those people that it's not about watching a highlight, it's about having ownership in the stock market of the NBA's greatest moment. So how would you like to be invested in some of your favorite NBA moments and even some random ones that are just going to be really valuable that maybe you didn't realize you wanted so badly? So head over to LockedOn.NBATopShot.com to start building your collection today we've got one more segment i'll finish up with some of my thoughts on our conversation with keith smith kind of look ahead to the charlotte hornets schedule coming up that's coming up next on the locked on hornets podcast is locked on hornets Lamelo had an awesome dunk last night where he kind of goes to the right shoulder comes back to the left finishes and does the head thing got got on you he loves doing that right he's a high low celebrator he's gonna put it on his head when he dunks on you and then he's gonna tell you how short you are when he scores in the post against you It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
Thanks for joining us. One last segment. I'm going to try to do this solo as well. So bear with me if there's going to be a couple of weird graphics in there or me trying to look up some of the content via the internet that might just be kind of going out on me. It's all ridiculous. Doug should be back tomorrow. And so hopefully Doug will be back. We'll bring you the sounders. We'll bring you all that stuff behind the scenes that makes us a little bit different. But Doug should be back with us tomorrow. Do you want to talk about some of the things that Keith Smith mentioned about the Charlotte Hornets future rankings that come in via 22nd for ESPN. I'll read the whole thing, even if I just touched on it. So here's the write-up from Kevin Pelton on why the Hornets come in at 22nd when it comes to the future rankings based on a three-year outlook. So ironically, quote, a breakthrough campaign for Miles Bridges works against the Hornets, who dropped two spots in the rankings compared to last year. With Bridges headed toward restricted free agency, Charlotte is looking at a big contract that would swallow up the team's cap flexibility in the best-case scenario. The Hornets could soon find the luxury tax line an impediment to spending. If Bridges does sign a long-term contract, Charlotte's current roster might prove undervalued by our rankings if a second-year guard, LaMelo Ball, continues on his current trajectory. And that's what I look at the most. Like If you look at LaMelo Ball and what he's done even recently, but even just over the course of the last two seasons, this is going to be one of the more enticing young superstars in the NBA. And the fact that the Charlotte Hornets have him in a way they haven't had a star since the LJ Zoe era and with LaMelo hopefully staying here longer then it's going to be even more like LaMelo. You're talking about a trajectory for him to be the most important Charlotte Hornet of all time. If you look at what he's done in the month of March, we've talked about his success here lately, but it warrants talking about again. He's shooting 43% from three. He's shooting 45% from the field, which is a little bit up on what he's been doing this season. He's averaging seven assists uh, per game in this month. He had 11 against the Denver Nuggets in this most recent outing. And he's averaging 20 points a game. We all know how impressive LaMelo has been, and nobody thinks he's reached his ceiling. No one thinks this is what we're going to get from LaMelo as time goes on. You can only expect him to improve. We've talked about the areas of improvement. We've discussed defensively, not gambling as much. He's going to have to get stronger. He's going to have to be able to handle the physicality that some guys bring. You could see it against Denver. It, it was Monte Morris, some smaller guy that was trying to get physical with LaMelo. And LaMelo's fighting back. But think about once LaMelo matures, like the dude's 20 years old. <laughs> I mean, you have to imagine he's going to get more muscle mass. He's going to be able to handle that beating as much as anybody. And he's got the six, seven frame. It's just all about filling out as younger dudes do all the time. The NBA will put some weight on you. Like it's, it's going to happen. And so when you talk about also the offensive side, the shots already there, that's excellent. It's all about finishing inside. And that kind of just comes along with the strength, which is going to lead to even his higher ascension into the better players in the NBA. And to have that on the roster, I think to me, that's got to let you climb the ladder as far as the future rankings go for the Charlotte Hornets team. Like, I don't I don't have to say that this is, oh, you know, ESPN is, is angry and they're angry at the Hornets. They want to go with a large market team. And that's why they have the Hornets towards the 20th spot. I don't think the Hornets should be top 10. Not not right now. There are some concerns about the cap and how you need to work around that. Um, I just think that having LaMelo on your team to have one of those guys, that that's special. That's what you need first and foremost to then kind of worry about the depth afterwards. 
I do want to discuss Miles Bridges before we end the episode today, though, because I was talking with Rod Morrow. He's a writer for Game Theory of Bomani Jones uh, with Bomani Jones. He also hosts the Black Guy Who Tips podcast. I talked with him over on 730 The Game. Go check it out. ESPNCLT.com. Awesome talking with him about a whole bunch of different stuff. But we talked about some Charlotte Hornet stuff at the end, too. And we were having this conversation. You know, what won't you pay Miles Bridges? Because last year, I've said this a million times, I was willing to take the risk on offering him what was then considered a high-end contract. I would have offered him to the tune of like, I don't know, maybe even gone up to the $22 million a year. You know, I, it, it would have been too much to offer him the max. But then what we knew about Miles, trying to project where he could be and, and, and land in a safe space, I would have gone up to like maybe $22 million. It would have been risky, sure, but that's, that's what you have to do as a small market team sometime. Let's get ahead of the curve because in case he does really break out, then he's going to make this monster amount of money, and that's exactly what happened. So they didn't do that. They kind of lowballed him, and I think – I forget what the offer was. I think it was like $15 mil a year, which was never going to get Miles Bridges to sign. So, all right, that's over and done with. What do you need to do now? I mean, you got to try to keep him, and I don't know what that number would be to the point where I'm like, nope, I'm out on Miles. And that's not to say an answer doesn't exist. It clearly does. It's just we've gotten attached to a guy that, one, is just crazy fun to watch play. Two, you have to put into the importance that that's LaMelo's best friend on the team. I mean, that matters. Everything has to revolve around LaMelo because NBA franchises build around their stars. Sure, sometimes you have to tell your stars that this isn't a very good idea, and I get all of that, but signing Miles and keeping him long-term, doing everything you can to keep him long-term, that's a good idea, and it just so happens to align with what your star wants, keeping Miles Bridges on this team. You go $30 million a year, it eats a ton of your cap. It's going to hurt your depth. I, I just, you still have to do it. You know, all right, I'm not going to pay him $40 million a year. There is going to be an answer. But, man, I just I just don't know what realistically is going to happen. Where It's like, all right, let's let Miles leave, and then we'll try to look to address some other positions. You know, then you have some money to pay a P.J. Washington. You guys know me. As much as I love P.J., I think he's really valuable for this team. Like, one, I'm not keeping him over Miles. Two, you know, I'm not trying to pay P.J. Washington like $20 million a year. You know, I don't I don't know what it would take to keep him if it's 10, if it's 12, 14. All right. But at the same time, you might be able to trade him, get some assets. And it's all about having flexibility as you go toward or as you go forward, because you have LaMelo and you are in a situation where there is a brighter future. At least there is a conversation to be had about a brighter future ahead. And that's different than what we've become accustomed to what we had with the Kimball Walker days. What we had with the days of, hey, we're battling for that eight spot. And then next year, it's not like you greatly improved. And so it, you'd never thought, all right, well, this year is going to be crazy different. It was always the same. It was always living in mediocre land. Right now, they're battling for an eight spot. But we've never had this type of future outlook before. And that's what's different. Let's hope that the front office can continue to provide some flexibility and make the right moves, locking the right guys in. I think that starts with Miles Bridges as the first huge move you make 
that dictates how your future is going to look. All right, that'll do it for the Lockdown Hornets podcast today. Thanks again to Keith Smith. Really an awesome dude. Always generous with his time and knows a ton about the game, about the cap, about every single team. It's why I love talking with him about the standings and where the Charlotte Hornets might finish and also who would be a better matchup. So again, check out Keith Smith on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. Now make your second listen Locked On NBA. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Have a great day. Hopefully Doug will be back with us tomorrow on the Locked On Hornets podcast.